We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Did you finish Did you that? that? We're, about one half, we're about halfway there. We're just saying that he's off to a nice start. Why does it have to be all or nothing all the time? Like, what am I doing? I'm doing it for the show. Field of 68 till I die. This is the Field of 68 After Dark Show, the only place that you need to be for college hoops every single night. All right, it is Monday night. Welcome to After Dark in the Field of 68, the best place to get your college hoops fixed each and every night. We're on SiriusXM, ESPN Radio. We're on Twitter. And you need to also subscribe to the Field of 68 on YouTube. Tonight, we'll tell you what the Big Ten, Michigan, and Wisconsin got right and what they missed on when it came to the Juwan Howard incident on Sunday afternoon. I'm Jeff Goodman of Stadium. We got a great crew tonight. We got former Clemson shooter Terrence Oglesby. He's back. We've also uh, got a first-timer and Nick Ba, Fox's Nick Ba coming on and and uh, former Lincoln Southeast star, Nick. I'm excited. I'm excited, Nick, for you to make your debut. Welcome. And uh, we got a lot to talk about tonight. You know, let, let's start with obviously the big news. And it went down yesterday, obviously, with Juwan Howard uh, hitting uh, Joe Krabenhoff, the Wisconsin assistant coach, which kind of triggered a, a melee of sorts between the Wolverines and the Badgers. And today, the suspension was handed down. Five games through the end of the regular season for Juwan Howard. Greg Gard gets a $10,000 fine. Joe Krabenhoff doesn't get anything. And the three players that were involved that were throwing punches all got one game. Musa Diabate, Terrence Williams, and Jacoby Neath from Wisconsin. So, T.O., let me start with you in terms of your, your, your first reactions, whether or not Juwan Howard's suspension, the five-gamer, was justified or was it enough? Here's my thing on the whole on the whole scenario. Like I feel like Juwan and Guard both failed their kids, and they put those kids in bad positions. I think there was a failure in leadership, and Randolph Childress said it perfectly last night. They failed their kids and put them in a bad position. Now, that being said, Five games for Jawan Howard. I thought you could have thrown in the postseason as well because here's the deal, guys. You don't swing. There's a lot of things that happen during the course of a basketball game. The one rule that is hardly ever broken is punches being thrown. That can't happen. Uh, 
five games and guys, I don't know what your all's wallet is like, but I think it equated to about 130 grand because they're not going to pay him. And then it was another 40 grand fine on top of that. 170 grand would hurt my feelings. That's a lot of money. Now I know Juwan Howard's worth a lot of money. He's made a hundred million. I understand. I understand that, but 170 grand is 170 grand. That's a lot. of It's like, it's like 10 bucks to you. (laughs) To who? To you. Uh, All right. You're that rich. I didn't know you had that much money to you. You're thinking about the wrong wallet. You're thinking about the wrong wallet. No, but I I think they got it right. Uh, Obviously guard probably could have gotten a one game and crapping off pretty probably could have gotten a one game, but I think there was enough plausible deniability in the whole thing to where you see them trying to correct things. And I thought guard, the first reaction that you have when a guy is upset coming out of the game, you grab him, you touch him on the chest and you try to calm him down and explain things. That was what I thought was happening from the beginning. And while there could have been de-escalated fairly quickly, I, I'm I'm pretty okay with the suspensions. And I hope that a lot of these actions don't follow the kids moving forward because I feel like they were put in a bad spot to begin with. So, Nick, it, it, it was a combination of the Big Ten working with these two schools, right? I mean, that that's why it kind of took so long here. A lot of people were expecting it earlier today. I kind of got word earlier today that it was probably going to be five games for Juwan. I actually thought there might be uh, a fine, but the fine, again, the $40,000 from the Big Ten plus uh, the suspension. He is to have basically no contact in these five games. I, I think he could talk to the players, but he can't be involved in practice, film, anything uh, with the team. What What was your take on this whole I haven't even heard from you on on kind of what happened, your take yeah. overall on everything that happened, transpired. And again, was this enough for Juwan Howard, five games? I'm fine with the, the five games amount. I think it's hard to put a number on it to where you satisfy people. You know, if it had been two games, if it had been the rest of the season, I honestly could have seen either of those into the spectrum. He obviously, he had to get suspended for some yeah. amount of time, and he did. I think what's been interesting to me, at least, is over the course of this 24-hour period, 36-hour period, is watching social media and watching people try to rationalize and make excuses for Jawan Howard. Greg Gard shouldn't have called the timeout. I mean, come on, guys. Joe Krabinoff shouldn't have walked into the situation. You know, the problem problem is handshake lines. That's the problem. It's it's like, come on. Right. There is one guy. And one guy only that is at fault here. And that's Juwan Howard, because he swung, like Terrence said. And for me, I don't want to disagree with, with Terrence on this one. Like, in all reality, and I get it for the optics of it, in all reality, what did Greg Gard do to get a $10,000 fine? Nothing. Really nothing. He put his hand He put his hand out front of Juwan, which maybe in hindsight he should have said to Juwan, I'll call you later and explain, but, right. but at the time he's thinking, I want to tell you now, right. I want to tell you now why I called that timeout. And, and you're right. Like he didn't, he didn't really do anything. Everybody's saying he put hands on him. He didn't put hands on him. Give me a break. Yeah. And so I, I think the reason he got the $10,000 fine is just the guilty by association thing. It's just, I, it's one of those things the Big Ten probably looked at themselves and said, we can't let Greg Gard just walk away from this with nothing, which right. from that standpoint, I totally understand like how you had to make an example of that entire situation. So as I talk out of both sides of my mouth, like I can wrap my mind around the $10,000 fine in that regard. 
I guess I was I, I was not surprised to see him not get any sort of suspension talking about Greg Gard because in all reality, I just don't really know what he did wrong in that entire situation. If we're if we're just calling it for what it is, I don't know what he really did wrong. Well, you're you're calling it because again, Juwan Howard threw the punch or slap or mush is the word I keep hearing with it that I'm trying to get accustomed to using the mush. The mush. Um, <laughs> the mush yeah. heard around the world. Yeah. Yeah. The mush heard around the world. So he threw that. And and ultimately that's why the other three players got suspended. Cause if he doesn't do that, and again, he just keeps walking or he nods his head and, and says, Hey, I'm going to call you later or meet me outside the locker room, even whatever it is to, to talk about it. But, but he didn't instead. And, and Krabenhoff, I get it. Krabenhoff was coming over, I think, largely to make sure that, that he's standing up for his coach as much as anything else. That, that's what he was doing there. Krabenhoff, you know, he's 6'8". Greg Gard is not the most intimidating dude in the world. Juwan Howard is. Right. So I do think he was looking at him of Juwan Howard's, what, 6'10"? I don't yeah. know what Greg Gard is, but um, I, I know who I'm taking in a fight if, if they fight. <laughs> That's for damn sure. That's where I the agree. defending my. That's where the defending myself part is a little bit laughable too. Well, I was just defending myself. It's like, no, 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 you weren't, Juwan. You you were acting immature because you were getting your tail kicked. And here's the thing: that whole ten second rule, I completely buy it because whenever you call a timeout on offense and you're getting pressed, that clock resets. That's a huge part of this, and you don't want to set your kids up for failure, no matter if they're playing big minutes or not. So I'm kind of with that, but at the same time, you could still look back at Juwan Howard and be like, dude, why are you pressing? Just right. go ahead and wave that white flag. Let's get out of here. Now, I will say guard probably has a responsibility to try to de-escalate a situation, and dude, read the room. Like, obviously, Juwan's so pissed off, he starts walking right. back towards the back of the line. I haven't seen a head coach run back to the middle of the line probably ever. That's something that a, an angry player does, which is furthers my point of about, hey, man, act a little bit more mature. And sure. as far as the layup lines are concerned, guys, it's ridiculous. I've sh- You shake hands. I've I played all over the world. You shake hands after the game. It doesn't matter if you're in Russia, Sweden, Spain, Argentina, America. You shake hands after the game. And when you get your butt beat, you, even do, you do it then too. And that's what Michigan should have done. I don't blame the kids at all. All the blame should go to Juwan Howard, like you guys are saying. You know, We've all, you guys have played in a lot of AU basketball. You've played in college. T.O., you played overseas. I talked to Danny Ainge last night because I just knew, I've known Danny for years, and this is a guy who obviously played, he coached, he was a GM, he was a broadcaster. So he's, he's been in college games for years. He's got kids that have come up through the AU circuit. I asked him just because he's got a pretty good memory for this stuff. I said, have you ever, do you ever remember anything like this? Because I don't, even an AU ball, that's the craziest part. And he said, no, I have never seen this in AU ball. And I've seen some crazy ass shit in AU ball. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, no, I mean, have you, yeah. either of you? No, you? I, mostly players, like players are yeah. getting into it. Yes. If a player has a screw loose, but never a yeah. coach, never a coach. And Hey, that's come from Danny Ainge. He used to get a couple scraps too now. <laughs> so did. I think that's a big part. That was a tough sucker, but n- never a coach. That's the first time I've ever seen something like that. And at a program like Michigan, this is one of college basketball's flagship programs can't happen there. Period. Do you so, guys, all right, let, Jeff, let me do read. Think, do you go think ahead, Nick. the previous, the, the fact that on any level, the fact that Jawan Howard, this has happened before. He hasn't swung, but he got held back from Turgeon last year at the Big Ten tournament. Like, is there any sort of, 
I don't know, just the fact that he's not necessarily a repeat offender, but there's been there's been some control issues in that. No, no, I don't think that that affected this at all. I think I think they knew they had to. I think Kevin Warren, especially the Big Ten commissioner who had gotten a lot of crap for uh, his missteps in football. I, I think he felt like, hey, I got to be tough here. And 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 again, tough is relative because I was on uh, earlier with, with Chris Broussard and Rob Parker on Fox. And they both said to me, listen, I would have suspended him for the Big Ten tournament as well. And I think a lot of people felt that way. Uh, Juwan, finally, after not apologizing postgame yesterday and, and nothing coming out this morning, they finally put a statement out. And, and I'm going to read it, try to read it fairly quick or, or at least some of it. Uh, after taking time to reflect on all that happened, I realized how unacceptable both my actions and words were and how they affected so many. I'm truly sorry. I'm offering my sincerest apologies to the players and their families, my staff, my family, and the Michigan fans around the world. I would like to personally apologize to Wisconsin assistant uh, Joel. He meant Joe Krabenhoff, and it wasn't him. It was not Juwan Howard who wrote this press release uh, and his family, too. Lastly, I speak a lot about being a Michigan man and representing the University of Michigan with class and pride. I did not do that, nor did I set the right example in the right way for my student athletes. I will learn from my mistake, and this mistake will never happen again. No excuses. What do you guys think, Nick, about the the statement? Statement was strong. Felt like it took a while to get it, but that's kind of grasping at at reasons to try to still be upset about it. Uh, I thought the statement hit on all the right notes, um, showed at least least remorse in reading it for the first time, because that's what was so interesting about the postgame press conferences. Yeah, you're still worked up about it, but he he showed zero, zero. remorse, zero, zero yeah. after the game. Yeah. Seemed like what's the big deal here? So I thought the statement was fine. Uh, I thought I thought it struck the right tone. Tio, what Tio, what type fine. of effect could this have on this Michigan team? You know, it's only a one game suspension. Um, for again, you know, Diabate is is a key piece. Terrence Williams is a piece. You know, you're without your head coach here for the next five games. You're a team that's fighting just to get in the NCAA tournament. Could this could this at all kickstart them and and get these players a little bit more geared up uh, to play with a little bit more fire and intensity or no? Well, I, here's the thing. I'm worried because now you're going into completely territory that you've never been into before. And if you look at their schedule coming up, it doesn't get easy. Now, you do have four home games in a row, but you're looking at Rutgers at home, Illinois, Michigan State, and Iowa. Like, that is a murderer's row of Big Ten teams. Every single one of them are going to be tough, and now you're dealing without a couple of guys that are big-time pieces to what you've been doing. Now, Musa Diabate's been very up and down, but his up is really good whenever he's playing yeah. well, and he's, an, he's a great addition. But these guys, for who's going to be the, the standing? Is it going to be uh, Sada? Who's, who's going to be acting uh, Phil coach. Martelli Phil Martelli okay, yeah, okay. Phil so Martelli he's he coached has a, a million games right. yeah so th- there's not a huge uh, there's no drop off matter of fact but at the same time it's still different uh it's a different voice. as a player yeah as a as a player it's different hearing it from your assistant than it is hearing it from your head coach I think Nick uh can vouch for that as well but this is a tough slate your last five games and you're sitting on the bubble plus you're missing guy you're missing guys for this next Rutgers team that's tough as nails it's going to be uh, an interesting five-game stretch for sure, and they need as many as they can get. Hey, yeah. Nick, how, yeah. how how does this affect Juwan Howard and 
the perception of Juwan Howard going forward now? How will this impact him? Well, I mean, I think trying to get myself in his head, I think the last thing you ever want in any profession, especially coaching, is for you to overthink who you are and being your authentic self. You, a part of coaching is that ability to make those snap, split-second decisions, those comments, those, those messages, whatever, to your players, to your coaches, to, to anybody involved. And if all of a sudden that's getting put through a filter where you're starting to think about yourself from the outside looking at, well, mm, okay, maybe this is how people view me a certain way now. I maybe need to, ooh, I, I really want to yell at Hunter Dickinson I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna cool cool off a little bit. I'm gonna yell at it. No, I need to slow down a little bit. So the only thing I'd be worried about is that if all of a sudden Jawan Howard stops being Jawan Howard, because I also think let's not make the, let's not just cast this guy off into being the worst dude in the world. He made a mistake. No. He got caught up in a moment. He's he's gonna pay the price for it. He is paying the price for it. I think we've all met Jawan. He is yeah. an awesome dude. Like yes. awesome yes. guy. And so I think that would be my only thing is that I just, I wonder how this is going to impact how he reacts on the sidelines, because I think he maybe feels like the eyes on him even more. Do you think it impacts the way that, that parents are going to look or handlers are going to look at guys that he's recruiting? Because that's the first thing I thought I was like, man, he really threw, threw his players out to dry. And there wasn't a whole lot of forethought into what he was doing. So like, if I'm looking at like, yes. Today, yes, Theo. I think, again, everything is – we make these kind of judgments right away. And and listen, the only thing I'll say to that is Will Wade is still recruiting at a really high level. Okay? Yep. Does that prove my point? Yep. It does. All right. That's all I got to say. All right. Listen, when we come back from break, uh, my daughter Talia committed – to Indiana earlier today. She chose the Indiana Hoosiers. Well, I'm going to tell you why she might be having second thoughts when we come back from this break. (laughs) Clear for 90. She's already in the portal. She's She's already in in the the portal. portal. Might be in the portal. That's right. That's right. All right. What do we got, uh, Greg? You got some some questions here? We got anything? Uh, Let's see. Yeah, I mean, I, I think this is it. You, you're not getting a third strike. Like, he does anything that's – he's got to be very, very careful going forward. I don't, I don't think, like, second altercation. I don't think people are looking at the Turge one. One minute. But I think this one unto itself. Forget about what he did, you know, running down and yelling at Mark Turgeon. This one unto itself is enough, so he's not going to get any leeway on the next one. I'd be surprised if there is a next one. I'd be one. surprised if there is a next one. No, yeah, I would agree. Yeah, there's yeah. no way. Yeah, it, it, I, he has reached the wit's end. This can't happen again. Can't happen. Can't happen. Another one from Jim Root. Damn, T.O. looking sharp. Three seconds. And then we got Three one seconds. more from Austin. What does San Francisco me? need to do to me? secure a spot in the NCAA tournament? You look horrible, Jeff. I look You terrific. look absolutely I wore this just seconds. for you, T.O. Just for you, baby. You look awful. <laughs> I wore it because of, of twofold. One, 
Michael Jordan and, Ten and LeBron. Seconds. The embrace yeah. last night. That, that was, was cool. sweet. That was cool. That was cool. Seriously, that was really Five. cool, too. Because Carolina is back, and we'll talk about that later in the show. Two, one. All right, welcome back to the Field of 68s. After dark, I am Jeff Goodman of Stadium. I'm joined by Terrence Oglesby uh, and Nick Bob of Fox Sports. And my daughter, Talia, today, she makes a huge decision. She did it on the Field of 68. She committed. She's not an athlete, okay? She, for some reason, thinks she wants to do what I do which I'm trying to convince her otherwise, but I haven't won that battle yet. And uh, she, she chose Indiana. I'll say chose, not committed. And in her first day in feeling like an Indiana Hoosier, she sat down and she was like, dad, you're watching the seven o'clock Indiana, Ohio state, big game. I'm like, of course me and you, we're going to do it. And with a minute left, Indiana's up four, and they look like they are going to get a huge win in Columbus against a ranked Ohio State team. And the next thing you know, what happens? The bottom falls out. And they're going home with another loss. They're fifth straight. And my poor daughter, Talia, she watched that one, and then she proceeded. She wanted to put herself through more agony. She turns on the Indiana women's game. They had been up 15. They blew it, and they lost. So, I don't know what she's thinking right now. If she's thinking maybe she's going to flip and pull like a football decommit and flip tomorrow and go to like Penn state. I'm worried. I'm worried tomorrow, Nick, that all of a sudden, like she's, she's going to wake up and be like, I can't do this. I can't, I can't be an Indiana fan. Weighs heavy on your heart. That's tough right away. Right. You're at highest of high, oh. lowest of low right there. That's not good. <laughs> yeah. Hey, right away. But man, I thought, I thought, they were going to come back and beat Ohio state because they were down a good chunk. They start yeah. making some moves towards the basket. And then look, this Indiana team has been really inefficient offensively. And some of those guys that I thought were going to be better, like Xavier Johnson, who was a really good player at Pitt, comes over today. He ends up three at 12. Now he does get to the line 10 times, but yeah. they just can't seem to find any consistent flow offensively outside of trace Jackson Davis. And even today they Ohio state did, just did such a good job of pushing him out to about 15 or 16 feet. And then he's having to face up and operate that way. And they're shooting just, I mean, you're six and 19, you got to hit more shots. And to play against a team at Ohio State, those last two possessions and regulation, oh. guys, you can't lose your guy for a wide open layup to tie the game. And if your coach, especially is when his name is EJ Liddell, <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably not him, right? Right, right at the bucket. And if your coach I mean, is going to trust you enough to let you go at the last second and not call a timeout, you've got to try to get to the rim. Try to make something happen. And especially if you're Xavier Johnson and three-point shooting is not really your bag, man. Like right, you're right. a crafty power guard who can get to the rim. If you're going to be trusted with the ball in your hands at the end to make a play, you got to attack the rim. So T.O. kind of alluded to it defensively. You know, they didn't make a play. They've been pretty good defense defensively and they have been pretty good this year. Yep. But I, I thought offensively was a bigger problem. You know, the, the end of the game there, you got about 30 seconds left. And the shot that you took was a three-pointer by a freshman, Tamar Bates, who shoots, I think, in the high 20s from three this year. To me, that their offense is, is hard to watch. And part of it is point guard play. And again, I know T.O. loves when I say point guard play, but I say it like 10 times every show because it is. It's the difference maker for me. If you put if you give them a high level point guard, I know they don't have perimeter shooting, but a high level point guard can rectify a lot of the issues. So 
Indiana, Nick, are they in trouble now? Are they? Because last year they felt like they were in the tournament and then the bottom fell out. Is this going to happen again in Bloomington? Well, I mean, it certainly looks like they're headed that way. Like you said, they've lost five in a row and their defense, their defense is really is, is good. I mean, they're really good on that end of the floor. And I think they're top 10 in effective field goal percentage. Uh, Race Thompson and Trace Jackson Davis are really good erasing things at the rim. It's hard to get anything easy outside of EJ Liddell's dunk late uh, at, at the 10. But I think everything you're saying is, is, is what I'm concerned about. It's, they just, they have not scored more than 70 points in a game. They've only done it one time over the past month. And I thought the end of the game illustrated the challenges of when your go-to guy is a post player, how that can be problematic because you got to get them the ball. Uh, you can see, I thought it was telling Chris Holtman, who's Ohio State's best player? It's EJ Liddell. Clearly. Who did Chris Holtman put the ball in his hands for the entire crunch time? Yep. Malachi Brandon, Brand. because it's Bad just, boy. it's because it's just easier. He can make a to, play to, to make, to right. get it to a guard. Right. You, you run him a high pick and roll or clear out of sight or whatever. It's just easier for a guard to go make a play at the end of games. than it is to try to run some cross screen, rub the guy out, throw it into trace Jackson Davis, face the floor. And I think some people, you pointed it out with the shooting, but some people look at it and go, you know what? How come Purdue can do it, but Indiana can't do it? Well, Purdue has six dudes towing the arc that shoot 40% or better from three. Six. Indiana's got one. So even when you do go to Trace Jackson Davis, a double's coming, they're plugging it up, and oftentimes when Trace Jackson Davis is spraying it out, the guys guys aren't making shots. So – I just not totally sure what the answer is offensively right now, T.O. and Jeff. There's there's not a ton of movement. No. I, I mean, especially when that ball gets in the post, there's not a whole lot of cutters. Those guys sit in his lap on the outside. And then I thought, you know, Ohio State's not huge, but they have a bunch of big burly guys that can push you out a little bit further. And as soon as Trace Jackson Davis put the ball on the floor, they sent a second guy. And he wasn't putting, he wasn't putting passes on the money. And that makes a huge difference. And not only that, they weren't really ready to shoot. And Tamar Bates, it ended up being the last three or four minutes of regulation. Indiana had to score over high hands consistently. And that's so tough to do. There was no go-to offense, it seemed like. Now, hey, look, I'm not trying to second-guess Woodson or whatever, but it seemed like there was a lot of contested one-on-one jump shots, especially Tamar Bates, who can do that. But obviously, you want to get him ahead of steam towards the rim, at least so he can create something. But to go along with what you say, Nick, it's so difficult to get the big man the ball, to get the big man the ball and then have actions around it. It works so much better. And you alluded to him. Malachi Branham is a dude. And goodness, I hope he stays. And he should stay. But Big Ten, and if Ohio State hangs around, you could see kind of a Johnny Davis type season next year for that young man. He is a tough individual. Really, He'll take a huge, huge jump. All right, let me give you some numbers here for Indiana going into the game. They were 2-5 and in quad one, 3-4 and quad two, net 43, Ken Palm 45, BPI 37, Sagarin 32, KPI 58. You know, they could ill afford this one. I know they were like firmly in going into today, you know, 10, 10, 11. I I think now they're probably in that first four range. And, you know, you got, like you said, Maryland at home Thursday, Sunday at Minnesota. 
you know, that one can go either way. I think you win Maryland at home, especially at Assembly Hall. Like, that's just such a tough place to play. I think you win that one. That Sunday at Minnesota is a huge one because then you get Rutgers at home. The last one of the year is at Purdue. You're not winning that one. So I think you have to win, to me, two of these last four and then probably win a game in the Big Ten tournament to feel pretty good about getting in at least first four. I, I think if it's close, we saw it last year with the UCLA-Michigan State first four matchup, the NCAA gets it. The committee knows. You throw Indiana in there in the first four if it's close, and, and you figure out a way to justify it even if they don't belong in there because you're splitting hairs at that point between all those teams that are on the bubble. You can justify whatever the hell you want then. Kind of the same as what you're wearing right now on your shirt. Like, do they deserve it? Probably not. But are they going to we'll get, get in? To that. Absolutely. <laughs> are they going to get in? But uh, no, but Fielding of 68, the show on this network, Field of 68 Network, they have them in the play-in game on the 11 line. And they need every one. I, I would say they need two of the last four. Hopefully, if they get three of the last one, I would feel pretty comfortable, even without a win in the Big Ten tournament. But this is a team, they're reeling. They got to figure it out quick. They haven't been able to score. They've been able to guard at a high level. The Big Ten, heaviest scouted league in the country, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, think it's fair to say. Win, if they win three, three, they're, if, if they go three oh, and one in. on the stretch, they're in, right? Yeah. 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 Absolutely. 100%. 100. Yeah. If, if they win three, they're, they're honestly, they weren't supposed to win this one anyway tonight right. in Columbus. The, the, the thing that hurt was they had it. They win this one mm-hmm. tonight. Then, man, to me, you're almost breathing easy unless you go, you know, you completely tank at the end of the year here, these last, you know, four or five games, you're breathing easy. Now you're sweating it out a little bit where you've got to beat Maryland at home on Thursday. You know, you've got to beat Rutgers at home next Wednesday. If you don't, again, you just don't want to put yourself uh, in, in this position right now. So I can't, I go, think can't go winless in February. Can't go winless in February. You can't go a whole month without winning. And that's what would happen if they didn't handle these next two. Like that's, it's kind of when crazy. Especially like after that, the start. T.O. When you put it like that, they, they need to win, start winning some games. If you don't win a game in February, that's a problem. I want to know how, you know, my daughter, when she did her, her pros and cons of schools, one of the, the cons for Indiana, she wrote down was the fans don't like that. <laughs> so I said, I'm like, I'll flip it. Don't worry. They'll win enough. I'll flip. Well, what, what am I going to do if they don't win? How am I going to flip this fan base, guys? That Listen, the lot, like, I'm more thinking about that than anything else as I go to bed tonight. How am I going to flip this fan base? Because she's worried about going on a campus. She's like, I don't really want to use my last name. Jeff, I, you, I don't want to put words in your mouth. You're, you're not blaming Mike Woodson for this. No, 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 but what I did, but what I did when he got hired was I lumped him in with all the other former NBA players and coaches, which I wrote something about 10 days ago. And it's pretty clear cut that most of these guys were not exactly successful. Like Juwan Howard is considered the best of the actives and, and I gave him a B plus that might've been a little generous, you know, to be honest, he's probably more of a B but not one A minus, Nick, in any former or current play coach who played at least 200 NBA games. It's yeah, crazy. It's, well, it's amazing how much it's you would think basketball is basketball, but the no. NBA game yeah. and the college game are totally yeah. different animals. Everything yeah. about it 
from the 24-second shot clock to the illegal defense rule to really everything. I mean, if you think about it, a lot of what Indiana does feels NBA-ish down the stretch where you throw it to dunk, you throw it to Tim Duncan, you let him kind of operate, you you read the defense, double comes, whatever. Like they, yep. they used to do some NBA things that you usually see with good post players. Uh, but yeah, it's just it's amazing though how different the the two sports are. You would think it would translate always and it doesn't necessarily well, here, right, here, we, we are now we are now live on Sirius XM guys ESPNU uh, Baylor ends up with a a huge uh, overtime win against Oklahoma State in Stillwater I know that sounds crazy because Oklahoma State is ineligible for the NCAA tournament so uh, but it is a huge win because Baylor you know listen they've been struggling a little bit here and, and Scott Drew's got a team that I felt like they were 15-0 to start the season, and they've been up and down largely due to injuries. Yes. But when we come back from the break, I'm going to tell you why I still feel, and I'm still going to pick the Baylor Bears to go back to the Final Four this year. Clear for 90. All right, what do we got, Greg? Jeff, we got a question from the chat wondering if you have any words for Mama Hog tonight. <laughs> Mama Hog, if you are awake, which I'm not sure you are, I want you to crack open another Coors Light. All right, I want to crack open another Coors Light and make a video for me. I miss you. I miss hearing your voice. I miss seeing your face. Get me a video tomorrow. Like, come on. What are you doing here? We need to communicate a little bit more, Mama Hog. Mama Hog's living good right now. Arkansas is 10 and 4. That's true. In the, in the One minute. Yeah. Like, Mama Hog's, li- Mama Hog's living yeah. good. She's probably yeah. out of Coors Lights. She's been drinking celebratory Coors Lights with all these wins. She's, she's, she's out, Jeff. She hasn't got any. She might. I might have to send her a, a case. Maybe. She probably needs more than one case. You're probably right with how they're playing. <laughs> Greg, what Another do we got? One, can Baylor get a number one seed in this year's NCAA tournament? No, I, I don't think so. You guys think so? I think it's too tough. Thirty I think seconds. The other teams at the top are so good, yeah. and they're going to have they're going to still struggle at the back end of the Big Twelve. It's hard. Yeah, I mean Gonzaga's going to ease into a, a one. We know that. I think you might 20. be looking at two SEC teams in in the one seed, and right now Arizona in the Pac twelve they got a one. So I don't, Nick, is there room for Baylor? I don't. Ten I don't, seconds. I don't think so. I don't think you know, so. Kansas would be their best chance for the Big Twelve Five. to get a one. So I, I still think the Jayhawks have a little bit Two. of a chance there. One. All right, welcome back to After Dark in the Field of sixty-eight here on Sirius XM Radio ESPN. I'm Jeff Goodman of Stadium. I'm joined by Terrence Oglesby, former Clemson guard. I'm joined by former. I say Kansas and Creighton guard. Nick That's Bob. good. That's good. Is that fair? Coach Self still acknowledges my existence. So, <laughs> th- so when that happens, I get the former Jayhawk thing. Is that okay? That 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 must mean you give some money to the program, Nick, or something. <laughs> that that would be the only reason he would acknowledge your existence after you left them after two years. I gave them tuition because I was a preferred walk-on. So how about that? <laughs> there you but go. Your, you gave money. him money. You you did. You 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 gave him money. All yeah. right. The ba- the Baylor Bears get an overtime win in Stillwater tonight. Um, and again, you wouldn't think that this is a significant victory for Scott Drew, the defending national champs, going to Stillwater, ho hum, 
beating a team that's ineligible for the NCAA tournament. This one is absolutely significant. They're still without LJ Cryer. Uh, Every day John is done for the year in, in a serious, serious knee injury. Adam Flagler missed last game, came back this game, uh, and, and played fairly well. He had 29 he points. 29. He played great. Yeah. yeah, he played great. I, You know, to me, he looked good two games ago when I saw him in Waco against Texas, and then he sat out last game probably to, to, to rest his injury a little bit. I was starting to get worried. I'm not that worried, guys. I'm not that worried as long as LJ Cryer can get healthy. If he can get healthy, I'll put this team, especially with Jeremy Sohan, the freshman, playing some five. I love this team, T.O. I, I know without everyday John, it worries me a little bit defensively against certain matchups, but they, get, they just got to get healthy, and I'm going to pick them to go back to the Final Four. Well, how many massive guys are they really going to play against to where Sohan won't be able to match up? That's really the question. But if you don't play somebody from the Big Ten, are you really going to face a five guy that he won't be able to guard? <laughs> Good point. It, like, that is, that's yeah. the big thing. I think Sohan, as far as guarding a five-man is concerned, he – Plenty of capability to do that. Now, Flo Thamba, he's going to have to play some more minutes, obviously. I'm not sure quite how many he did today, but he ended up with eight and seven. He's a little bit more used, but it all comes down to their guards, guys. I mean, Matthew Meyer has been fine. He hasn't been as good as what a lot of people thought coming into the season. But once Baylor gets their guards back in order, they are so good at moving the basketball and attacking off the catch. And at Flagler was terrific tonight. If they didn't have him tonight knocking down shots, was he seven to 13 from three? Like knocking down shots and they were tough. They were tough. They get him and uh, LJ Cryer coming back. That ball is going to start moving again. And guys are going to be able to do what they're good at. Namely Meyer, because he's not somebody that's going to create by himself. He's somebody that's going to create off the catch. You saw a little bit of that tonight with uh, Flagler coming back. But once that ball moves for Baylor, they can be really, really good. And I like it offensively, too, with Sohan playing the five as well, because then you can go some more five out stuff and then you can attack the rim that way. Yeah, I worry about him a little bit, Nick, defensively, again, with Sohan. You know, he, he's great offensively because you can he can space the floor. And, you know, again, even a Big Ten team in the tournament, you're going to throw Kofi out there to guard him? I mean, we, we, we saw how that worked with, like, Cam Krautwig last year in the NCAA tournament. They're different players. But, again, Sohan is able to space the floor. Are you buying Baylor still as a Final Four team, or am I crazy? No, you're not crazy. I'm still buying them. I think it is interesting, though, how much – what a difference just making one run makes on, like – it felt like for a long time Scott True didn't have the benefit of the doubt, and now listen to us. Like, yeah. we're all like, yeah, yeah they're yes. going to be fine. It's just and, – and listen, he earned it, you know. He's he's earned it over the course of time in, in terms of what he's done. But, you know, with, with Sohan at the five, like, they, they are probably going to be – they can't get the wrong draw. You know, if they get the wrong – somebody in the second weekend that really wants to throw it in yeah, could hurt them. But I also think some teams sacrifice their offense to try to exploit a perceived weakness. And all of a sudden they're playing out of, uh, out of pocket in terms of what they want to do to try to, to throw it inside. I see, I think, I I don't know. I still feel like at full strength, big, big, if obviously they're not going to get everyday John back, their half court defense. I mean, who's best half court defense in the country? Is who? You, who is it? Texas Tech. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Is yes. Ba- is Baylor in the a step they- down? No, they're a step down now. Okay. With without everyday John, they're like you watch Flo tonight. 
it's a big difference. It's a big difference the way everyday John, to me, can move his feet. He's more athletic. He's more active. He plays harder. Uh, I just, he, to me, he's the guy you want on the floor at the end of the game. And now you might have a tired Flo Thamba, too, at the end sure. of the game. You know, tonight he played 33 minutes. That's a lot of minutes for him. Right. Right. I, it, I still, I'm still a believer. And yeah. do you guys think any, any sort of getting the monkey off their back of the success they had last year will allow them? I mean, they do got a handful of guys that, that cut down nets a year ago. Right. Do, do you buy into that at all? That they, they're, a little, they're going to be a little more comfortable than maybe some other teams on a variety of levels? I think that I think that plays into it, but I think this is a second weekend team. I'm not sure this is a final four team and it has mostly to do with health concerns. I, and I think that Chamwa Chachua, he is so valuable at the end of games because of his toughness. And you guys know, and you've been to several tournaments, Nick as a player and every, and I'm sure going as well. Like it's, it gets so much more physical. And he is the ultimate physical guy that can play through all that contact, especially on the defensive end, and grab that tough rebound. And he is the epitome of a toughness team first guy. I think that loss was a lot bigger than people realize because oh, it's not huge. only was it's huge, but he was also the lead communicator on defense too. I went to watch them at the battle for Atlantis whenever they went down and won that. That guy's the one chirping the whole time. He's calling out ball screen coverages. He's calling out where guys are at, like. Other guys do it too because they're so well current. Hey, we've talked about it. Scott Drew is 1A right now. In my mind, he's 1A. But they're dealing with injuries, and that one is significant in my opinion. Listen, I'm not saying they can win six straight, okay? I don't think they can win six straight without everyday John. I think they can win four straight, and a lot of it is the culture and the chemistry. Being around, I was there in the preseason. I was there again all of last weekend in Waco for that Texas game. And um, like Kendall Brown. Like I'm the, I'm in love with Kendall Brown. I seriously, he might be my favorite player in the entire country and nobody talks about him. Why? Because he's all about team. That dude could want and and take 15, 18 shots a game. If, if you, again, and, and none of them have to be threes. Like the dude can just get to the basket. He's great in transition. He makes every right pass. He didn't do much tonight, but he guards, plays hard, doesn't complain, never hangs his head, never on the bench, wanting more, like whatever it is, he's doing the right things. The key for me now is, again, Cryer getting healthy and James Akinjo getting his head and his shot back. Like that's the thing. You could tell it's in Akinjo's head right now with his perimeter shot. He was so good early in the year. And Sean Miller, who we work with, he coached him last year, and he said he has a tendency to kind of go through these, these phases, these funks a little bit. And, and right now, that's kind of the problem. He's going through one of those funks. All right. He's been, he's been asked to do so much more lately, too. Sure. With all the injuries, like they yes. put the ball in his hands and they're running a lot more ISO ball, ball screen sets as opposed to moving it and then running into ball screens. But now, because they've been shorthanded in the backcourt, they're just – it's set pick-and-roll offense, and it's right. been difficult for listen, them. Listen, let's get to it. Let's, let's get to the team that I have waited – 42 minutes to taunt you with Terrence Oglesby. And for those uh, listening on Sirius right now, uh, I am wearing a Michael Jordan North Carolina shirt because the North Carolina Tar Heels are back, baby. Their defense is is not back. It's here for the first time all year. They've guarded. 
They've guarded. They finally, their defense is here. They were great in Blacksburg against Virginia Tech in a huge game, and they beat a, a mediocre, and I'm giving them the benefit of the Jealous. doubt, yeah, Louisville Jealous. team at home in Chapel Hill tonight. All right, they're not back, but they are 20-8. and eight. They are 12-5, and five, albeit in a crappy ACC this year. And they listen, Hubert just said tonight, I'm just going with my dudes. I'm going with my five guys. I'm going to play them all long minutes. Caleb Love played all 40, and it was balanced scoring among those five, and they got nothing out of their bench. Like, I think they got two points out of their bench, and, and it came from, uh, I don't even know who, I, Puff Johnson. Johnson. Yeah. I don't know. Puff, Puff Johnson. Johnson. Puff yeah, he Johnson. Hit two free throws. It wasn't even a field goal. He just hit two yeah. free throws. I mean, yeah. listen, they finally got their, their quad win. So now they're feeling good. They're, they're, they're puff, you know, puffing out their chest like I am right now, and they're feeling good about themselves. And I don't know. I mean, listen, all I'll say is these five guys, if you said to another – listen, here, here's my example. If you said to Chris Holtman right now, or, or you guys, you pick talent, talent, not, not all the intangibles – do you want Carolina's starting five or do you want Ohio State starting five? Terrence, who are you taking? Oh, you're taking Carolina's starting five. Nick? It, there's, there's just been so much transition there. I'll tell you who played really well tonight. Your fellow Midwest guy, uh, yeah. Brady Manick. I mean, his ability – he's shown a lot of ability, man. He's yeah. knocking down threes, sure, but he's putting it on the floor a little bit. He's been a really nice addition. Obviously, they lose Dawson Garcia uh, for the remainder of the season. They're shorthanded, and their young guys aren't probably aren't ready yet. Puff Johnson's probably not ready. Uh, I, I would have expected Kerwin Walton to be a little bit more of a factor, but apparently he just doesn't guard well enough to stay on the floor. And he yeah. shot like 45% from three yeah. last year. Like right. for some reason, like I didn't play any defense, Nick, but I shot a good percentage from three. They didn't have a choice, right? So right. I, I was you, curious you would have fit see. right in on this Carolina team. <laughs> now I would have been sitting beside Kerwin, apparently. Yes, you would have. That's so right. th that would have been the issue, but this is a talented roster. They've got guys up and down like Armando Baycott, even though he had an off game because he was playing against a beast and Sidney Curry, who might be the strongest person I've seen oh since Trevor goodness. Booker. Goodness me. That dude is a beast. It like yes. Baycott couldn't move him, which is yeah. a first in my book for this season, right. but they just have, they, that five guys is really talented. RJ Davis is coming along. He hit some big shots. It's just a matter of, defensively are they going to be able to compete and I thought Louisville it just seemed like they were ready to hand North Carolina the game so many times and North Carolina just wouldn't take it and eventually the great Carolina teams would just rip it out of people's hands and be like hey this game's going to get from five to 15 in a hurry and I'm not sure this team has that capability I wish I wish I could have been in the Dean Dome tonight to feel if there was is there nervous energy in there with the team it feels like it a little bit where every time there was a lot of moans and groans, anytime Louisville would, would like, like T.O. said, felt like Louisville was trying to hand them the game. North Carolina wouldn't take it. Louisville would make a shot, a lot of moans and groans. But I think the thing that's interesting for me, and some of this is maybe, you know, Dawson Garcia is away from the team. Right, uh, right. They've, they've been a little banged up. Is the identity of Carolina has been really, it was always tempo and mm. offensive rebounding under Roy. Really, they kind of became synonymous with just kicking your ass on the Two bigs. Two, yeah. two post bigs. Two bigs yes. killing you on the yes. glass. Yes. You look right now, and again, I'm, I, don't, that, I don't know if some of this is because of, of player availability. They're 129th in offensive rebound percentage. 
Let me just go over. These are the last six years where they ranked on offensive rebound percentage. First, 12th, 16th, third, first, third, fifth. Wow. So it's just a weird – I think it's – Hubert Davis, because you would figure – I mean, he was on Roy's staff. You figured it would be kind of like a part of the reason you want to – keep him on it's like you keep the seamless transition of the identity and the and the machine in place but the offensive rebounding factor hasn't been in hasn't been there and so it puts a lot of pressure on your defense which they haven't been overly disruptive in terms of forcing turnovers their defense has been better the last couple of games like you pointed out Jeff yep. but it's just it's an interesting team to watch when you juxtapose it with what they've looked like over the last handful of years with Roy considering the fact that it's you know, Roy's top guy now running the show in Hubert Davis. That was one of the things I was most worried about whenever they brought Brady Manick and Dawson Garcia in, because you're, what you're trying to do is you're trying to open up the floor. I, you completely understand what they're trying to do. They're trying to open up the floor for RJ Davis and Caleb Love by bringing shooters in, but then you're, you're taking away your best strength to try to fill the hole of your biggest weakness. Right. And what happens is, is they haven't been able to rely on, hey, sometimes our offense isn't working. This Carolina break isn't working. We can still overwhelm you. This Carolina team doesn't overwhelm you. And that's where the, that's where the struggles have come from. So Saturday at NC State, like this is, if win. NC State, think about this. They, they, they're horrible right now, right? They're 11 and 16. Yeah. But if you're an NC State fan, you're saying to yourself, if we can knock Carolina out of the NCAA tournament, you know what? This year, I'll sign up for it. I'll sign up right now. I'm okay if we suck. As long as they don't make the tournament, I feel pretty good. That is their Super Bowl on Saturday in Raleigh. It's going to be an absolute war. And, and I think it's going to show how tough Carolina is mentally. Have they gotten tougher? Again, they've been better defensively. We've seen it the last two games, but it's up here for them. Mentally tough. We saw it at Mohegan Sun earlier this year. You know, listen, I called them out and said they're soft. Yeah. And they proved me right for most of the year. They have been soft, both, both mentally and physically. But I think they have an opportunity here again. The bubble is so bad that if they win these last couple of games at NC State, Monday against Syracuse at home, then you're playing with house money to me at Duke. Your numbers are going to go up anyway. You don't need to win that game. Just don't get blown out in that game if you win these other two and then win a game in the ACC tournament. You're absolutely in the field at the end of the day. Is that, is that a year if they get in and they sneak in and Hubert Davis has an NCAA tournament berth next to his name, yep. does that give him, Nick, a little bit of a cushion if he doesn't make the tournament like next year? Yes. I, I mean, I, I – I mean, Carolina is different from a lot of programs and, you know, they don't just expect to make the tournament. They, they expect to, to be there in the final four more often than not. Um, I also think, you know, it's just like anything else. Like when, when you have one of the all time great coaches on your sidelines, you get spoiled where you just, you think it's just a given. And, you know, listen, John Calipari's had years. They lost to Robert Morris in the NIT, you know, like, it's not unless basically if you're not named Bill Self, like it's not just a given for a lot of these these look at Indiana. Like they've had to learn the hard way a little bit that it's not necessarily just a given because the name on the front of your jersey that you are gonna make a deep run in the NCAA tournament. But to answer your question, yes, I mean I, I think 
just being able to have a tournament berth under your belt calls out, you know, gives you a little, little breathing room. So yeah, I think it, I think it makes a difference, but I also think they've been spoiled with, with old Roy on the sideline there for, for quite some time. You know, what's All right, wild feel, about feel the 68 after dark. When we come back, we're going to switch gears a little bit. We're going to talk about the player that we trust the most, each of us, come March. Clear for 90. You know what's nuts is like 12 and 5 in the ACC any other year is like, wow. Oh, you'd be like, like smooth. Like you'd be like, a, yeah, a you know, like you might be no a sweat. four seed. Yeah, there's no sweat whatsoever nope. if you're 12 and 5 in the ACC. This year, horrible. Right. Greg, right, what do we got? play a quick game of pick em. Who you got tomorrow, Villanova or UConn? It's no, at I'm UConn. going Nova. I'm going Nova. You got UConn, T.O.? Uh, no, I got, I got no. I don't think UConn has enough offense to, no. to keep yeah. up with Our Villanova. Our good friends at Bet Rivers say UConn you, minus two, a two-point favorite minute. in that game. One uh, game number two, Michigan State at Iowa. Bet Rivers has Iowa minus six and a half. Who wins that game? Nick? I think Iowa wins that game. They both want to play fast a little bit. I think Iowa wins. Give me, yep. Michigan, give me Michigan State outright. Ooh, taking I, the money I, line. I like I, it. I, I like, I like uh, Michigan State, man. I just think they can guard, and I think Keegan Murray might have some trouble. 30 seconds. I, here, here's what I like now. And I said this to Doster, and he thought I was nuts the other day. But I said, even though Michigan State lost that game, I think they won that game. Because 20. they got Tyson Walker. They got his yep. confidence going after that game. He had 20 points. He played with a confidence that I hadn't seen since Ten really seconds. early this year. Maybe even back when he played at Northeastern. So, to me, Five. I don't know if it was such a bad loss Two. looking at it. One. All right, Jeff Goodman back here. Field of 68 after dark. Joined by Terrence Oglesby, former Clemson guard, Nick Ba of Fox Sports. And we are going to change gears a little bit. And we are going to talk about the player. In March, it's always about a player, right? Who t- Steph Curry, wh- whoever it is, that guy who can carry a team and be the guy that captivates the nation. So, Terrence Oglesby, we'll start with you on this. You got to pick one player right now that you trust the most, ball in their hands to just make plays and carry their team come March and April. Who is it? I mean, is there another is there another answer besides Johnny Davis? I mean, is there possibly another answer beside him? Whether it's off the dribble, you put it in his hands at the end of the game, he's so talented and he can get where he wants off the dribble. Uh, plus, look at what Wisconsin would be without that young man. Like, probably an NIT team. Truth yeah. be told, he is that he is that special uh, with the ball in his hands, and he doesn't need it all the time. And yet here he is, averaging well, over twenty five points a game against power four, or power six competition or what have you. Like that dude is really really good. Uh, honorable mention for me, Alondis Williams makes some big time plays at the end of games too. Wake Forest transfer from Oklahoma, he's been terrific. But you need bigger guards, in my opinion. You need bigger guards yeah. who can put it on the deck and make something happen and make the pass. Both of those guys can do that, and both of those guys can score as well. Nick? Yeah, it's, it's quite – you made quite the case right there, T.L. That was good. I, I'm going to go 
with a guy that I'm not sure that can even dunk it, and that's Colin Gillespie. I like that. Because I think it's it's not only about the player, but it's also about their situation. And I'm not sure there's a team in the country that knows who they are and what they're trying to do on every possession better than Villanova does. And there's not a player that exemplifies trying to get that done better than Colin Gillespie does. Can post you up. He can come off ball screens. He's a good passer. He's patient. The biggest concern, like like Tio pointed out, is probably the fact, can he elevate over people and score like we saw Juzang and Haquez do in their run to the Final Four a year ago? But I'm going to give some love to, to, to Mr. Jalen Brunson, Ryan Archidiacono Jr., Colin Gillespie. Listen, I, I can't argue with that. I think I got a better one, but I can't argue with Colin Gillespie. And actually, I talked to Jalen Brunson. I'm, I'm going to write a story on Gillespie here, uh, hopefully this week, if I can get to it, if nothing else crazy happens to sidetrack me like the Juwan Howard situation. <laughs> um, but but Brunson, I mean, he said, he's like, this dude, You, he goes, he never backed down from me. You know, when, when he was a freshman and he came in, he was like, I kept kicking his ass. And Jay Wright told me the same thing. Last week after the Providence game, he's like, I kept kicking his ass. And this dude never asked to be switched off me ever. He just, he kept coming. So you could see he was a Villanova type guy. And then again, he's gotten better with the freedom, with the ball in his hands a lot more over the last couple of years. All right. I got, I got a better one than both of you guys. Like, I can't believe neither one of you went here. I have the guy. I mean, like Johnny Davis is great. But, like, his team's not good enough to you. Colin Gillespie's great, but, like, he's kind of vanilla. I swear, I swear to you, if you say Kirk Creasa, I swear I'm, to you. I'm, I'm not going to get the head back. I promise. I'm I know he's your guy, but, like, we're getting out of hand here. He did. He did, by the way. They got into dirt bags last night. No problem. Good. Good for him. I'm hoping, or two nights ago, whatever it was. I, don't, I can't remember the days. Two nights ago. Um, how, how did you pass on Jaden Ivey? Yeah. Like, what is wrong with you two knuckleheads? <laughs> Come on. Yeah, that Ivy that is the most unstoppable player in college basketball getting downhill. Like, who can stop Jaden Ivy? Seriously, when he wants to. Now, he's out of control at times. I'm ready to counter, but keep going. I'm ready. To and counter, in the half court, I know he can make some poor decisions at times, but man, I'm going to give you a little bit of time here. Um, Jaden Ivy is absolutely a, a beast. You have. Uh, 20 seconds to counter to you. 20 seconds. Take Okay, so take away his right hand in the half court. When you're playing in the NCAA tournament, that ball is going to slow down. At least you hope it does, especially towards the end of the game. We're talking towards the end of the game. You got to sure. be able to score off the dribble a little bit if you're not given your first option. Jaden Ivey's first option is all right hand and elevate over the top. If you take that away, you can, you can get some things because then he's going to have to make decisions. Johnny Davis can make decisions. He can, but he doesn't have Travion Williams and Zach Eady around That's him. That's the difference. Is I, I think Jaden Ivey will be in a position in the Sweet 16, in the Elite Eight, in the Final Four, and, and when the game is on the line, I think Matt Painter is going to be smart enough to get Jaden Ivey the basketball. All right, boys, listen. Uh, thanks to Terrence Oglesby. I'm Jeff Goodman from Stadium. Thanks to Nick Bob for making his first appearance and a great one on After Dark. All right. 
Uh, now we go to questions, Nick. Let's and, do it. Uh, I think I have to do. Uh, uh, I don't even. I don't even have the reads, Greg. So Doster's going to yell at me because I don't have them. Got a question, so, Jeff? Are you telling go me questions. that you don't now, have the Nord VPN read right now? What, what's, but, be, what's better than what's, what's, be, what's better than peace of mind, Jeff? What's better than peace of mind? I don't. I, don't, I, I, I Greg can probably read them because <laughs> he's probably got them in front of him. And I'm going to get yelled at. I might get fired tonight. I might actually. Everybody in the chat. Doster might fire me tonight. So if I get fired, will you guys hopefully come to my aid and 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 protect me from uh that evil human being, Robert Doster? I got you. Um well, 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 let's let's get to some questions first, and then we can figure out uh no, the all right, but uh all right, what do we got? I'm I'm looking in the in the chat here. Uh, didn't Johnny Davis drop 37 and, and yeah, in, in West Lafayette? He did. He did. Listen, I got Johnny Davis just the national player of the year front run. I, I'm going to pick him probably to win player of the year. I just Me think too. in the tournament, I think in the tournament, it's a lot easier to game plan for one dude, right? Especially to me, like in that sweet 16 round, when you've got multiple days, you got really good teams at that point, really good coaches, you know, again, I think Wisconsin, everybody's going to pick them as the upset team. Pro- Providence and Wisconsin are going to be the two teams, right, Nick, that everybody kind of just picks. They're going to be that that kind of cool pick to get upset early. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think there's a lot of people. I mean, you even see what Providence did at Butler. I don't know how they won that game. I have no idea how they Man, found they a way to win that game. But the thing – I mean, Providence more often than not has – found a way to win those games, you know, and that, I guess at some point that's got to count for something, but yeah, I mean, it's Johnny Davis, Johnny Davis, you find out what's weird is you feel like late in games, more often than not, you're shooting a tough two. Yes. You you know what I mean? And so then maybe you need to reverse engineer this question of like, if think about what types of shots you get late in an NCAA tournament game, and then go, well, who is the best at making that shot? And it's honestly probably it's D- Johnny Davis one. And then you could probably go to Mick Cronin's boys. Those yeah, two guys exactly make, right. Exactly. Those right. two guys make tough twos at a high level as they well. Do. You're hotcast. Yep. And that's been my argument against UCLA all year. You get like Jeff will vouch for this. Like UCLA yeah. relies so much on tough twos. Yeah. To win games and to go along with what you're saying, those are the shots that you're going to get at the end of the games because everything else is shut down. So you rely on individual playmaking and you got to have guys that can do multiple things. I'm not sure Jaden Ivey can do that, but I really think that Johnny Davis can do that. And I forgot all about UCLA, like Jaime Hawkins, he's got to be up there too, as far as isolation scoring. Right. He's a dude. He's yeah. a dude. Right. Right. There, there, uh, what else we got? We got some, uh, some other questions in the chat. Come on, let, let's go. Everybody watching, let, let's come up with something good. Our good hey, question. Chat. Come on now. Uh, I, I'm going to hey, hit conversal, I'm going to hit Nick. Sir. Wait, I want to hit Nick first. My question would be: Give me your best Bill Self story. My best Bill Self story. Oh my gosh. Uh, man, I'm racking my brain because this he, dude. He, I mean, you know he's a character. Like he plays the all shucks guy. Yes. <laughs> he, he is anything but that. Uh, I think 
I think one of my, it's, it's not a new, it's one of my favorite stories from him was the first time he gave me the, the ice cream Sunday analogy when he was trying to, to tell the team about being unselfish where he he's, he's in front of the team and he's like, he's like, guys, guys, I want you to imagine the most beautiful ice cream sun you've ever seen in your life. I mean, it's got all the, it's got strawberry, vanilla, chocolate, it's got whipped cream, sprinkles, cherries, it's got all that stuff. And now imagine you put one little piece of dog shit. (laughs) (laughs) How appetizing is that Sunday? We're all like, not very appetizing. He's like, don't be the piece of shit. Let's go to practice. And we're like, oh, that's great. (laughs) All right. Don't be a piece of dog poop. That's that's the Bill Self lesson of the day. I like that one. He reminded me. T.O., you were there, right? Weren't you there when we went in preseason this year? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, you came in and uh, four years ago, uh, I interviewed Andrew Wiggins and sat with him for about a half an hour. And I'm not kidding. Andrew Wiggins never looked up from the floor. He never looked at me the whole time. So within this, the, the scope of the story, one of the things that I, I was already skeptical about Andrew Wiggins from watching him in AU ball for years of he played up and down to level of his competition. Right. I, I just, I didn't buy that he was going to be this NBA superstar. And uh, so I wrote within the story that he never made eye contact with me for 30 minutes. Bill, to this day, rips on me for it, kills me. You, eye contact. He, he's tell, he told this whole team, didn't he, T.O., when I was walking yeah. out that night? He's like, make sure you make eye contact with with, with Whatever with you do, just look Goodman in the eyes. Right, look Goodman in the eyes. <laughs> yeah. So it was, I'll tell, uh, yeah. I'll tell you how charming that dude is just from afar. Cause like Nick, I've been doing this for what, this is my second year doing media last year. I just did a bunch of Clemson, like local stuff and yep. podcasts. This is, this is all I've been doing. Well, I go up to champions classic and we go to that hotel where the funny thing is, is the next day we kind of chop it up and everybody talks. I mostly listen. Well, the next day I'm sitting about four rows up. I'm sitting beside Mike DeCourcy and Norlander. And I look down and they're going through warmups. And I'm just like, oh, okay, we're just kind of getting ready for it. And I look down and Bill Self turns around and points at me and he just waves at me. And you got to keep in mind, like I'm the new guy. Like I didn't know Bill Self. Like I would have never known him. And had I not met him that before, like I'm looking around, like I'm, I'm like, no, he's like you, like, I, I thought it said a lot about the, you said the all shucks guy and how yeah. smart he is with the media. Yeah. Like he, he, he made sure that I knew that he saw me. Yes. Which to me as a new guy just starting to do that. I was like, man, that's pretty cool for him. Maybe say, right? Like yeah. Absolutely. Did. Yeah. He, well, because I, I mean, for me, I committed to Roy. I had committed to to be a preferred walk on for Roy. Really? And then Roy leaves, and then Bill Self comes in. And this was late in the process. And I, the first time I met Coach Self, I mean, he, he charmed, he charmed my dad. He charmed my mom. He charmed me. One, one, 20 minutes, I was like, I'm all in on this guy. This guy. <laughs> yeah. This is my guy. And I, I think the thing the, with Coach Self was he, a couple of years ago when he went into the, the Naismith Hall of Fame, I got a letter in the mail from the University of Kansas, from Bill Self, of inviting me to, to go to his Hall of Fame induction. He invited me, a, a, dude, that, a dude that basically, did, I sat at the end of the bench, transferred out of his program, We'll go to Creighton, and this dude invites me 
to come. And so, of course, I go. I got to go to Springfield, and I'm there. He sees me in the little uh, event before, and then we go to the, the, the after party as well. He comes, talks to me. He remembers my uncle's names, my cousin. Asks, How's your uncle this? He, it's like this dude, not only is he a good basketball coach, he's like he is elite with people too. Yeah, he is. He is, no doubt. I, I, I compare self and Izzo. I think they're similar in a ton of ways. The old school approach, but being able to put their arm around guys like they're going to uh, their practices are similar. They're going to yeah. go at dudes. They're going to MF them at times, yeah. but then they're going to put their arm around them afterwards. So that dude knows he's got my back. And there's right. a lot of coaches that don't do both. They'll MF you. Right. And they'll, they'll, you know, like they'll go at you. And then once the practice is over they're they're not thinking that way. They're not thinking, um, you know, of, of kind of what really they have to do. Right. All right. So somebody, Somebody hit in the chat that will I uh, will I go if Texas Tech uh, if Texas Tech wins it or something? Will I shotgun a beer? Will you promise us Red Raiders the next time you're in Lubbock, you'll come through and shotgun a beer? Um, so I didn't do it this past time I was down there because. Frankly, uh, it was before the game. I, I told T.O. this. I was worried. I don't need video before the game of me getting shit-faced. And <laughs> number two was I hadn't shotgunned a beer in like 30 years. So I was yeah. like, yeah, I don't know. All right, here's what, here's what you got, Texas Tech fans. And, and we can clip this for tomorrow and put it out there for Texas Tech fans. If you guys get to the Final Four in New Orleans, I promise you, I will shotgun a beer with all you dudes. With all you Texas Tech fans on Bourbon Street. And ladies. And ladies. There'll be ladies. ladies. There'll be Texas Tech ladies shotgun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Too. Texas like, Tech man. ladies too. Absolutely. Everybody. Texas Tech fans, if you get if you get to New Orleans, I'm in. Absolutely. That'll be listen, I want those fans. Those fans are terrific. I want yeah. them in New Orleans. Like the best like, all right, let's go through it, guys. Of the teams that are in the equation right now for the final four. Okay. What would be the craziest four fan bases that are realistic to go to a Final Four in New Orleans? What would make Bourbon Street beyond insane? Does it have to be like absolute contender? Because I feel like I want to throw, I, I throw Mama Hog's group in That's there fine. Too. Yeah, they're in the mix. <laughs> yeah, I mean, okay. we get Mama yeah. Hog there. Yeah, I'm okay. Arkansas fans are elite level of insanity. So, yes, yep. let's put Arkansas in there. Who else? To me, Kentucky fans have to be in there. Yeah, have Kentucky fan. Let's throw Mama Hog, Arkansas in there. Texas Tech. Texas yeah. Tech. Who's the fourth? I got my fourth. Hey, I went. I, I had to go full like Mallard, bald head, duck yeah. to at Providence yeah. because that fan base was nuts too, and they might bring the whole city down there. I'm not throwing them in there for sure because there's a lot of really good ones, but that has to be in consideration. That was Nick. Insane. You got any? What? What? Who do you got instead of Providence? I got somebody instead of Providence. Being so, I did I did, I did radio in in Omaha for a decade, yep. which is the home of the College World Series. And for a decade, whenever LSU's baseball team would come to Omaha, these oh, these wild. people went crazy. So I'd have to assume LSU fans would would tear New Orleans up. They would, but I'll give you a better one for hoop fans. A All better right. fan base that is just out of their friggin' minds. Give it to me. Illinois. 
Illinois is out of their minds crazy. They would rip that that city to shred. Like they like if we had K- Kentucky, Arkansas, Texas Tech, Illinois, that city would be beyond on fire. It would be so damn good. And, and that's kind of what you need for a Final Four. You need to listen. I was there last year when there were no fans for the most part in Indy. You know, I, I felt bad saying it, but I, I said it enough. Like the atmosphere was terrible. I mean, it was yeah. great that the games were there, but man, it is going to be so much fun this year to have a sense of normalcy for the fun in New Orleans of all places. Like, I don't know how many do. I always say this. I'm older now, guys. The last time I was in New Orleans, I don't know how many years ago it was. I was in my 40s. Like, I just turned 50. I'm not sure I can go as hard now as I've done the last few in New Orleans. I mean, I've gone till you know, 4 or 5 in the morning and was able to get up and do it again and again and again. Man, I'm older. I don't know know if I can pull it every night. I get horrendous hangovers. You got to throw Auburn in the mix. Auburn's – I I did think about Auburn. I thought about Auburn. Illinois and Auburn are close. And Providence is close. I don't think Providence can get to the final four. I, I really don't. I don't think they can get there. And I know Providence fans are going to kill me for it, but I don't think they can get there. Well, so here's I, what you have to have. I was actually going to make this point when we were talking about uh, the, all, the, the all-stars on each team, Johnny Davis and Jaden Ivey. Oh. I'm not sure Providence has that guy that can make something happen. Like Jared Bynum has been that guy for them. And Al Durham has been really good at the end of games. Yeah. But body size is really significant in the tournament. I think that could be their hangup, you know, when they were playing in a Sweet 16 game or around yeah. a 32 game, something like that. Last time, last time I was in New Orleans was my junior year at Creighton. We lost in the NCAA tournament first round. We lost to Nevada. Ramon Sessions, JaVale McGee, all like they were, they were really good. We, lo- we lose to Nevada. And Coach Altman let us kind of, hey, fellas, go out. Don't do anything stupid. You got to be back. Curfew was like midnight. I rolled in at like 1220. So I was like 15, 20 minutes late. I thought Coach Altman was going to kill me the next There's nobody there. So I, thought, I thought I was good. You know, I walk in, I walk onto our floor. I thought I was, I thought I was in the clear. And I wasn't like egregiously late. Like I was legitimately over only like 15, 20 minutes late. Coach Altman was not happy with me in the morning. So I got, I got to get over my, my last time I was in New Orleans, I got yelled at by Dana Altman kind of I got to get over that for I can't imagine like getting yelled at by Dana Altman is nearly as intimidating as getting yelled at by Bill Self they're both Jeff they're both they'll both get after you pretty good Altman looks like he's not going to yell at you but he's going to be really disappointed (laughs) he was a Juco coach though he was a Juco guy back in the day so he's hey listen Dana's I I still say this maybe I'm crazy and tell me, Nick, if I'm way off base here, but if something does happen with Fred Hoiberg, I've told, I've said this before, he was damn close to going to Nebraska the last time. Yep. And I think if, if the job pops this year and Oregon doesn't make the NCAA tournament and somehow they're able to move on from Fred Hoiberg and his 18 and a half million and fire him for cause because of some of the other stuff that, you know, we're here and might be going on within the program. It wouldn't, I'm not saying I would bet on it, but it wouldn't. How far does Dana Altman's family live? Wilbur, Wilbur, Nebraska. I mean, it's an hour max. Right. So it's close. I mean, that's an, I mean, he's Nebraska, he's a Nebraska, Nebraska dude. You know, I, I don't, I've always felt like every time that job's popped open, 
Dana Altman should have been the first call right. every time. I mean, when it was Barry Collier. He was. He was the last time. He was ahead of Hoiberg, by the way. He yes. was damn close to taking Really uh, yeah, close. Yeah. Well, because he all of a sudden he got a contract extension in the middle of. The, well, <laughs> Phil Knight wasn't letting that happen. Come no, on. No. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't. I mean, I don't know if he would. I don't know if you'd take the job. I mean, he. I'd bet, I know. I know. If I'm if I'm Nebraska, I've been for, if I'm Nebraska, I'm making that guy tell me no every time. Every time. Every, every time. And at some point, he may want to go back home. That's all I'm saying. Is at some point he may have had it with all the Nike BS and dealing with all that, especially with NIL. Like some people can look at it as a positive, okay? But I'm not sure Dana Altman with NIL. I don't know. I don't know how much he's going to want to deal with all that. I almost yeah. feel like it might well, be easier for him, you know, in, in, in Nebraska. I'm probably going to get in trouble for saying some of this stuff, but like it, I mean, the other thing to think about is his best friend in the world is Bruce Rasmussen. That's his right. best friend in the world. Yes. Bruce yes. Rasmussen just retired as the Creighton athletic director. So if there ever was going to be some like, yeah. I don't want to go, I don't want to go do that to Bruce. You know yeah. what I mean? Cause Creighton and Nebraska, big rivals, you know, in the state, so I guess there's maybe that's another thing. Who knows? I mean, I, I've like I said, you always got to make that makes that guy tell you no. In my opinion, I think that guy's. I mean, I'm biased. Oh, so good, wow. so good. Amazing. All right, well, uh, let's get to three cheers. And I don't know if we we prepped you on three cheers, Nick. Yeah, but th- three cheers is basically uh, we each toast to somebody of that night. Now, Sean Miller still hasn't figured this out. He's done the show eight times. And he's still toasting somebody that might have played like last Thursday or something like that. Uh, he'll get it by the end of the year. And we're, we're, we're approaching here in the last six weeks. I think Sean will get it. Uh, we'll, we'll start I don't with want him to get it. I think it's better if Sean doesn't get it. I think it Sean, kind of is. we made it this far. Sean should just cheers <laughs> right. to like, here's to Jalen Suggs hitting Whatever. the half quarter last That's year. Right. To six. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, T.O., who, who you got tonight? I'm going uh, Mr. Flagler for Baylor. He's been in and out of the line. Stole mine. Yeah, sorry about that. Uh, I I tend to do that. I've been doing it with Doster. I'd steal all of his whatever. But, uh, yeah, man, dealing with nagging knee injuries, shot the heck out of the ball tonight, and they needed him. Uh, Went for a big 29 uh, and a tough place to play. T. Boone Pickens, uh, I mean, he's helped that that Oklahoma State uh, area out. And, uh, obviously, uh, Baylor's still rebounding, but – they need guys like him to step up, and he sure did tonight. So, cheers to Adam Flagler. All right, I got my high noon. I got. I'm, I'm, am I the only one drinking alcohol? I got a high noon for the occasion. Yeah. Today. Oh, I didn't get that. I didn't get the memo. I didn't get the memo. A I'm a big cheers, fan dude. of these high noons. There you go. They're good. They're good. All right, Nick. Who do you got? I am going to cheers to the Mariana Rivera of the Ohio state Buckeyes tonight, Malachi. And you stole Brand. mine. You stole mine. God oh, damn. Yeah. I got nothing left. <laughs> what, what are you leaving me? Puff Johnson, his two free throws. For Carolina. The- <laughs> All right. I'm, I'm, I'm toasting the Malachi first. Then I got to figure out a, go. somebody okay. to go with here. Hold on. He was big. Malachi Branham was awesome. I mean, yes. Awesome. So good. Down the awesome. Stretch for Ohio state. 27 points. They get 17 in the second half. And overtime. I yeah, feel like you yeah. need to find somebody for Carolina after wearing that that shirt. Yeah, come I on. think you're right. And, and you know what? I think I'm going to give it to Caleb Love, who played uh, all 40 minutes tonight 
and he wasn't great. He was one for seven from three, but you know, you, I can't. He had seven turnovers. I can't get yeah, to can't him. him. All I those, all those, him. all those like sighs of disappointment that's usually Caleb Love. Yeah, <laughs> like, I, I, I hate to be mean, but like that's usually where it comes from because he has some nonsense turnovers. Like, man, we're talking. all right, all right, all right. Give me, give me thirty seconds here. I got to find somebody to toast to. Uh, you know what? Gotta, Screw it. I'm toasting my daughter. I'm toasting my daughter. Hey, yeah, there you hey, go. That's a great hey, one. Here we go. I like toasting that my daughter, Talia. She picked Indiana. Uh, I am a proud, proud father today. So Cheers. let's hope it all works out in Indiana. Cheers. Let's hope they win some fucking games in Bloomington. All right. <laughs> yeah. There we go. All right. Listen, uh, thanks for joining us, everybody. Field of 68 after dark. Terrence Oglesby. Nick, thanks, man. I hope Got you it. have fun. We had I fun with you and uh, hopefully we'll do it again. Sounds good. See you boys. All right. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why, what do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.